Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott's Goa Podcast. On today's show, Chris Stoner and I discuss all the big moments from the 2022-2023 SPFL season, as well as our end-of-season awards. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So, Chris, my man, how are we? Yeah, I'm good. It's good to be finally getting around to do this, mate. So, we're going to speak about all the big moments from last season and we've came up with a list and we're going to take a turn each picking out one to discuss. So, I'll let you start, my man. Yeah, I'll go um, the first um, sort of big result of the season, um, Celtic thrashing Dundee United 9-0 in the league that saw Jack Ross getting sacked. Yeah, there was no way uh, coming back for Jack Ross after that. Um, 9-0 at home, it was it was unbelievable. Like and That could have been about 15-0. Celtic were on fire that day, Chris. And Stephen Dundee United actually appointed Jack Ross. I thought, yeah, that's a very sensible appointment. But then Dundee United losing to Altmar in the conference, 7-0. Then losing to Celtic, 9-0 at home. There was no way back from him after that. And the last I heard of Jack Ross, I think he's working for Newcastle in their youth development. Um, obviously, he's done a bit of punditry on uh, Sky Sports and that. But my God, that was unbelievable. That was an embarrassing day for Dundee United, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then even, I don't know, can't remember, I know you made a TikTok, but I don't know if it was before or after or immediately after that result, but you called it at some point there and then that Dundee United would not survive the season and sure as hell they didn't. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the predictions I actually got right from last season. Um, but see, after they sat Jack Ross, it, ha- it had to happen, right? Some people thought it was harsh, but... There's no way coming how you can come back from that. So I was waiting to see who Dundee United were going to appoint. Then they appointed Liam Fox. And at that moment, I was like, no, they're going down. Like, why would you appoint Liam Fox? Um, I think I think he managed counting beef. It might be it might have been counting beef, right? He had a horrendous track record there. He left them rock bottom, I think, of League One. Um, it just made the appointment made no sense. And then halfway through the season, Dundee United actually sacked Liam Fox. Like, anyone could have seen that one coming. And they appointed Jim Goodwin, which we will get to quite soon. Um, He had a horrendous campaign last year. But, yeah, that's one of the right predictions I got from last season. Uh, All the other predictions I didn't do very well in. Obviously, the the World Cup, uh, how Rangers would do, the list goes on. (laughs) But, yeah, like, Dundee United, they had a, a terrible campaign. And obviously they got relegated and I don't know if they're, they're going to be able to come straight back up, Chris. No, definitely not. Um, obviously my season at Thistle, Thistle's probably another um, team will come at some point on the show, but um, following the championship for a season through the eyes of a club, it's a ridiculously competitive league. You can't, you can't call it. Oh yeah, 100%, Chris. And uh, I'll, I'll move on to like my big moment. Uh, obviously this one, was really important to me as me being a Rangers fan was uh, when Rangers made the Champions League for the first time in 12 years beating PSV it was a historic night uh, Chris uh, Cholak scoring the winner uh, over in Holland um, and it was a, it was it, I think that really showed how far Rangers had came where Rangers 12 years ago well no sorry no 12 years ago like 10 years ago obviously last year Rangers were playing in the lower leagues um, in, the, in the third division, playing against Anna Athletic, losing to Peterhead at home. Club was just in a real tough place. But then 10 years later, Rangers made the Europa League final, then qualifying for the Champions League for the first time in 12 years. Um, 
Yeah, it was that's at that moment. That's where the journey was complete for Rangers. Rangers won the league, made a Europa League final, and made it back to the most prestigious uh, competition in the world, the Champions League. And obviously, this is will follow up uh, from that. Obviously, with how Rangers done in the Champions League, which was a it was a disaster, Chris. It was an embarrassment. Uh, like, how can you go from making a European final to <laughs> becoming the, the worst Champions League? Team in the history of the competition, um. But I we may as well speak about speak about that just now. Then uh, the old firm in Europe last year was not good, was it? No, not at all. Um, Celtic, given a group of um Real Madrid at long last, that was a much clamoured tie that Celtic fans wanted for years and years. We finally got it. Um, RB Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk, and when the draw was made, it was like apart from Real, I, I kind of fancied their chances. Um against Shakhtar and Leipzig, and then with the bit of hope, um, Cal McGregor hitting the bar at home against Real Madrid, and then we just totally collapsed in the second half. Um, I think it was um, Luka Modric um, having another masterclass in Glasgow, like he did with Croatia against Scotland in the Euros. Um, and then from there, um, I think it was... Um, had to play in Poland against Shakhtar because of the ongoing war in Ukraine. That was a draw. Um and then lose double header against Leipzig. Um, the two 0 I think Shakhtar and Celtic. Yeah. was it two 0 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, like, exactly. See so when you look at obviously Celtic's campaign. Like, obviously Celtic had um a easier group, I would say, uh, compared to Rangers. Um, but at least the bare minimum Celtic should have got out that group was Europa League football, and it was. I would say from Celtic's point of view, that was a massive missed opportunity. And obviously we'll come to Postacoglu later on in the, on the show. But I would say that was the only black mark that Postacoglu had in his time in Glasgow was how poor his European record was. Obviously um, losing, getting knocked out of three European competitions in one season and finishing rock bottom of the Champions League group with only two points, not winning a game. Um, but then obviously on at Rangers' campaign, when they, when, when they, when they uh, the draw was made. Liverpool, Ajax, and Napoli were very tough draw. It was very tough, right? But I fancied my chances. Like I fancied our chances to actually finish, make the last sixteen. Like I think every Rangers fan had the right to feel like that, considering what Rangers achieved in Europe uh, the season prior. But going into that Champions League group, I think the the Rangers board had a lot a lot of arrogance. Um, they thought they didn't need to invest in the squad, which we really had to. We didn't sign one player after we qualified for the Champions League and we got found out badly. And I feel as though Giovanni Van Bronckhorst got hung out to dry massively in that campaign. <clears throat> um, and it was it was just a complete disaster from start to finish. We only scored two goals, finished with no points. And the only good moment I could say from that campaign <laughs> was when Scott Arfield scored to take the lead against Liverpool uh, at Ibrox. And I, I was a good moment, but I just knew Liverpool were going to come back. And the game changer, uh, well, obviously, I'm thinking of the Napoli. No, I think I sorry, the game changer actually, sorry, was when Conor Goldson um, got injured. And I once we brought on a young Leon King, who's a young pup, <laughs> he's only 18 19, years, 18, 19 years old. We bring him on, he's like, he's just like a fish out of water. Like, you're bringing him on against a top class side in Liverpool. And Liverpool absolutely just dismantled us. Like uh, Mo Salah came on from the bench with a hatchet within like seven minutes or something like that. It was it was really really bad. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think Gio, even though like he needs to take some part of the blame as well, because he set the tone for the uh, for the campaign after the Ajax defeat. Would be lost four 0 That was I think that was a nail in the coffin for John McLaughlin, to be honest, as uh, Rangers number one. And then it, but after the diet game, Giovanni Van Broncos came out and said that we don't have the money and the resources to be competing at this level. And you're like, Gio, what are you on about? Last year we made a Europa League final, beat Leipzig, beat Dortmund away from home. Dortmund were inches away from winning the German title last season. Um, and they had world-class players like Jude Bellingham <laughs> in it as well. And yeah, it was that set the tone. Um, but the Rangers board let Gio down massively. And it was a campaign that I would not look back on I wouldn't look back on with any fondness or any positivity whatsoever, uh, to be honest. But yeah, I would say last year as a collective, even even Hearts as well, we, Mullerwell, Dundee United, Mullerwell was at Sligo Rovers. I think the Scottish teams in Europe last year took a massive L. And it obviously just it gave the, the folk down south more ammunition to continue to laugh and take the mick out of Scottish football, didn't it, Chris? Yeah, 100%. Um... Just on to the next point then, um, kind of ties into, you might refer to John McLaughlin, um, the game against Ajax. Um, a few days prior to that, he didn't have a good day in goal against Celtic and a 4-0 drubbing at Parkhead. Um, I know you had strong feelings on that game. Um, what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, um, did they get the team right that day? Did that contribute to the lopsided scoreline that day for you? Oh, but we're far too negative that day. Like, see, the Gio, I think this is the thing that really frustrates me about Gio. He showed Celtic far too much respect. Because don't get me wrong, Chris Celtic, like, obviously, Jot, etc., is left now, and we'll speak about that later on. But see that team from last season, right? They've done the treble, great achievement, right? But I think you can even admit this, Chris, this, that, that Celtic side from last season was not a great Celtic side. It was a good Celtic side, a very good one at that, but not a great Celtic side, nowhere near it. Um, and but under Gio, anytime we played Celtic at Parkhead, or like look at even two seasons ago when it was Gio's first old firm game, Celtic Celtic beat us three 0 showed Celtic far too much respect. Even at Ibrox, where that was a must win game for us, Celtic beat us two one, and oh Gio only managed to get one win against Celtic, and that was um an extra time in the Scottish Cup semi final. But yeah, you just you just got the team totally wrong that day. We just set up far too negative and. Like Jota's goal was well, like it was a, it was it was a good goal, but the, the the angle that Jota scored that goal from was was disgraceful. That should never have went in. Um, and John McLaughlin as well. He was I, I don't know if I'm being too harsh here, but he was one of the main reasons why we lost that game and got embarrassed in the way we did. Um, oh, and obviously I think it was David Tumble's goal where John McLaughlin literally just passed yeah. it right out to him. Tumble will never score an easier goal than that. And, and right after that game, I lo- that's when fans really started to turn on Gio. I stopped to stopped by Gio right until the very end. Um, and I, I, I was still trying to be positive after that, where, okay, we lost 4-0. But if, you would ra- if you're going to lose an old firm game, you'd rather lose maybe the first one early doors in the season where you can regroup. So, but I'll just, this is obviously a good the time to talk, uh, good time to talk about this now. Um, obviously, Giovanni Van Broncos, this is the next moment. Uh, Giovanni Van Broncos getting sacked. Um, I, as I said there, I was a big fan of Gio and I stuck by him till the very end. But the turning point for me with Gio was when we lost to St. Johnson 2-1. 
And I was like, right, it's clear as day. He's lost the dressing room. And I remember that game where John Lundstrom lost the ball and he just threw his hands up in the air, didn't even track back. He was walking. And that was a real true indication that, yeah, he's he's lost the dressing room now. Lost the dressing room now. Um, so that was when the alarm bells really went. And it was I, I felt it was only deserved time. And he, as I said, he got hung out to dry. I felt it was only deserved time in the sense of because he made the Europa League final last year. He was one, one penalty kick away from getting a statue outside of Ibrox. Um, but domestically, overall, it wasn't good enough in the league. Yeah, he'd be done well winning the Scottish Cup, Europa League final, but domestically, that's where your bread is buttered. And it just wasn't good enough. Like the football, like see, the, the football was bad, right? It was brutal to, brutal to watch, right? But see if we were winning games and just by winning 1 0, 2 0, playing god awful football. I wouldn't have cared, but we were dropping points, daft points. We remember we drew with Livy at Ibrox. I even said this to David Martindale when he was on the podcast. I was like, "You deserve to win that day." Um, but I think there was like something like six, seven minutes added on, and Rangers got very lucky. <laughs> we did. We got very lucky to get a point out of that game because if we had lost that, Gio would have got the boot there and then. And when he when Gio did get the sack, I wasn't taking any satisfaction about it. I wasn't buzzing. I wasn't delighted. I was gutted that I was gutted, but it had to happen. It had to happen, and and there was see if he had stayed in charge, I think Celtic would have won the league, like, but they would have would have won the league by much more points, um, and then obviously Rangers appointed Michael Beale. It, my first choice was Sean Dyche, but Beale was my second one. My third one was Stephen <laughs> Gerrard. Gerrard really <laughs> a lot of people gave me a lot of criticism for that. Um, but I've always got a soft spot for big Stevie G. Um, but Michael Beale coming in to replace Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, like, obviously, this is another moment I'll bring up just now anyway. <laughs> it's just all, it's just flowing just now, Chris. That's why I'm doing this. Um, but, yeah, obviously, Michael Beale coming in. I think it was, it's the right appointment. The football under Beale has been good. He's been dealt a difficult hand in terms of inherit, inheriting a squad that wasn't his. Um, he, he done fine in the league. Um, obviously... In the Cups, not so much. Losing the semi-final and uh, the League Cup final. League Cup final defeat was on him. The semi-final, there was, I don't think there was much more he could do. I think he was let down by Ryan Kent, especially, on the day where Ryan Kent just ended his Rangers career in a really poor way, a pitiful way, getting subbed off at half-time, where Michael Beals always had the guys back. Then Ryan Kent puts in a stinker of a perform performance like that. Um, but yeah, the League Cup final was on him when he started Glenn Kamara and John Lundstrom. And John John Lundstrom and Glenn Kamara got absolutely bullied in the midfield. Um, but yeah, I think Beale's done fine since he's came in. Um, but next season is make a break for him. Um, and I would probably say the same about Rodgers uh, as well. But yeah, um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, just to end it on that, I would say Van Bronckhorst, overall I wouldn't say he was a failure, far from it. I think he'd done a good job. Um, gave me the best night of my life where we made the Europa League final, beating Leipzig at Ibrox. It was, when that final whistle final whistle went, Chris, it was something really special and I'll never forget it. And then just, became, we were just a penalty kick away from winning a European trophy. But yeah, uh, it is what it is, Chris. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I'll move on now. Um, sticking with the old Sarum theme, I think you maybe touched on it there. Um, the result that I think you think maybe swung the league a bit in Celtic's favour. Um, Rangers being 2-1 up 
up at Ibrox um, after coming back from being one down and then Kyogo snatching a late equaliser. What was your thoughts on that day? Um, see, at the time, I'll, I'll be honest, I was putting on a brave face after it where people were saying, right, that's really done. But I was putting on a brave face and, and probably being optimistic, that's the right word. I was being optimistic in the sense of, like, there's still two old fun games to go. Um, two old fun games to go, Celtic can drop points. It's Celtic already have. Like, they obviously Celtic drop points that day. I brought St Mirren, beat Celtic as well. So I was being optimistic and I was impressed with how well we were doing under Beal. But Celtic just went on a ridiculous run, just, just beating teams left, right and centre. But that day, looking back on it, that day was that day was when Celtic won the league. Kyogo scoring that goal at the last minute. <clears throat> it was almost like when you look back, it was like a winner for Celtic the way Celtic Celtic fans celebrated it. And you even said this as well, Chris. Like Celtic deserved nothing out of that game. Like, but I think on the day it really showed the the the, the strength and depth between the two sides, where we brought on James Sands, Ryan Jack. Um, and I'm just, I can't remember who the, the other player was. It's it escaped my mind. But then you've seen who Celtic brought on. Celtic brought on uh, Abada, um, uh, Jackie Marcus, I think it was as well. And I can't remember who was it. Who else did you bring on that day? Can't remember either. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I see because it was that long ago. <laughs> it was that yeah. long ago. I forgot. But yeah. But yeah, but it really does show you the strength and depth though where we brought on. And I, I remember that game as well where. James Sands was messing around in in uh, your half with the ball, messing around in your half with the ball. Then Celtic went possession, and I think that was pretty much the catalyst where for you to go on and get get the equaliser. But yeah, Bill was dealt a difficult hand in that sense, so I don't really blame him that that day. And Rangers played, I thought Rangers played really well in that second half, and it was just one of those ones where Celtic, as uh, as the saying goes, Postecoglou always said like always. Go to the final whistle, don't stop and all that nonsense. But it it worked. It worked for Celtic that day. And we just if Rangers had won that, it would have been six points behind and maybe things could have been different. Just uh, you know, but obviously I'll, I'll bring this one up as well. And I think this was the final nail in the coffin for this what this what killed Rangers title challenge. The, like the very little challenge at this mo- at, the, at that point was um the three two game at Parkhead, where Morelos's goal was wrongly chopped off. Like it was I, honestly, God, it was that, that was a game changer, and I don't like blaming the referee all the times. So I just think it's a very easy thing to do. But for me, Kevin Clancy played a massive part in that result that day. Like, because if if Morello had scored, things would have been totally different. Because Rangers would have took the lead at that point. Then right after that, goal chopped off. Celtic go and, go and score, totally changes the the game. So I think at best, Rangers deserved a point out that game, but. If that Morelos goal actually stood, who knows? Rangers could have got three points that day, and just like oh, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. That if Rangers had won at Ibrox uh, in back in January, and just said Rangers won at Parkhead that day, that could have been a good run in towards the end. Because even though Rangers uh, beat Celtic three 0 where the league was wrapped up at that point, but Celtic still Celtic was still brought in the big guns in that game as well. And I don't care what anyone says, right? Even if when some people are saying, oh, it was a dead rubber game, blah, blah, blah. Every old firm game that, that gets played is never a dead rubber game. You want to win that. 
You don't even Postacoglu said it right before the right before the game. It's a massive game. We want to get three points. To, and obviously, if Celtic had won that, that would have meant they would have been undefeated against Rangers throughout that uh, season. But yeah, it's like people saying, "Oh, dead rubber game." A lot of nonsense. But if those, I think those are the two games that really stood out that really changed the title race was the game at Ibrox and the game at Parkhead. But I would say most importantly was the game at Ibrox where Kyogo scored at last minute. Yeah. And um, oh, sorry, on you go. No, no, right. You had the point raised before ads brought yeah. up my next point. That's fine. Um, yeah, so I, I'll go for my next moment. And I, I, obviously, you'll have a lot to say about this one, Chris. The Partick Thistle in Ross County playoff. My God, what an entertaining game that was. What a, what a great advert for Scottish football. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, um, followed. This a little bit um this past season um doing their social media channels um was quite a playoff run um they um first round of the playoffs was against Queens Park um they I think it was three one and then Queens Park got two quick fire goals in the last ten minutes and then I remember I was going to the cinema that night um and then I was leaving the game is basically on the final whistle so. I actually had a full-time tweet composed, ready to go. And then I had to discard it because Brian Graham got a goal to win the game within like, the, with the, literally the last kick of the game. So I had to quickly discard it and put a new one up. Um, and then um, hammered them away at Ockleview on the Friday night. Um, and then took care of Air United um, in the second round. And then come the playoff final, Against yes. Ross County. Um game at Far Hill, I think it was like one of the biggest crowds Far Hill had ever had, um, since it was all seater or and so long since it got renovated or whatever. Um but then um they were pretty wasteful on the night, let's be honest. They should have won the game by a lot more and then even the the whole sense that I got from the fans that night was that we should have won won by more and this could come back and bite us. And then, sure enough, on the Sunday, um, 20 minutes to go in regular time in the playoff, um, they were 3-0 three, three up on aggregate. And then two quick goals from County. Um, and then stoppage time, get a goal to force extra time. And then from there, it just got even worse. Um, sure, Vanagan had a golden opportunity to seal promotion for Thistle. Uh, had one of the worst sitters that I've ever seen, let's be honest. And then the game went to penalties and then Chris Doolan um, let Bannigan take a penalty. It was, I kind of questioned that call myself. I was like, he's hit a sitter, why are you letting him take a penalty? And then, sure enough, it was costly enough and then this will get beaten penalties. Yeah. But what an and- advert for Scottish football. Oh yeah, no, it was a great game, I loved it. It was one of my favourite games to watch last season and I'm glad it was on the telly. Um, and that's the thing where, like, that's what annoyed me towards the tail end of last season where I think it was the final game of the season and I think Sky were showing the Celtic Aberdeen game but you had other storylines going on like Hibs and Hearts. They were they were going for a fourth. Um, Edmund Darby, and you see what happened after that game as well. Naismith and Lee Johnson getting amongst it, and the Hearts and Hibs players fighting each other. It was like that's what we want to see, but not a like Celtic Aberdeen where Aberdeen secured third and Celtic already won the title. But yeah, like uh, that's the thing I want Scottish football. I want the Sky etc to give 
Um, show, show more games like that, like instead of just the, the constant old fun, but that's where but Sky only just care about the old fun anyway. But, but yeah, on that game though, like to be brutally honest, Chris, um, Partick Thistle bottled that, totally and utterly bottled that. Um, they were in a very comfortable position. Um, and they were obviously winning 3-0 in aggregate. All they had to do was see it out. Then Ross County came back. Then it went to penalties. And I think at moments in that penalty shootout, Thistle could have wrapped it up and then won it. But no, missed penalties left, right and centre. And yeah, it was, it's be honest, it was, see, Thistle, it was, that game was the be on end. They had to win that. And it was almost like promotion or go bust. Not saying they're going to go bust, but you know the saying. It's like promotion or go bust here. And it's a shame what's happened to Thistle, what's came out after it, where how difficult their financial situation is. It's not looking good at all. Um, and I think it was, I th- like, I th- that promotion, like, if they got promoted, it would have meant so much financially in the long-term future of the club. But next season for them is going to be very difficult. It's going to be very tough. I don't, there, put this way, there's no way, not a chance they're going to be like in contention for the playoffs. Or they'll be, they'll be in a relegation scrap. That's for sure. And obviously you're more, you know more about Thistle than obviously I do. But I think you probably agree with that. Next season is going to be very difficult, and I think it's going to be very, very unlikely for them to be in any like contention for a promotion spot. Yeah, I think it basically falls on the previous board, um, basically bank on promotion or bust for the club, and then it transpired um, that early in the season that the cup draw against Rangers um, was basically what kept them afloat at one point during the season because it was unaccounted for revenue they were struggling because of that pre-base board um, mm-hmm. and also they've lost them um, key players like Scott Tiffany and Kyle Turner um, Kyle Turner obviously um, was it Turner or was it Tiffany I, th- I think it's Turner that's went to Ross County so that's like the ultimate 180 yeah. um, going there um, so losing key players like that and um, the challenges financial side of it it's going to be a very difficult season for Thistle fans and I feel sorry for them because um great bunch of people that work at the club and their volunteers um obviously I'm not really going to get to be a part of that next season so I do wish them all the best um and the fans as well I kind of like the culture at Thistle um didn't know much about them before I joined them on a voluntary basis but um I feel like between the people at the club and the supporters, they deserve a lot better than how the previous board have done the club dirty, let's be honest. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but yeah, obviously it'll be... Because obviously I went through, uh, obviously me being a Rangers fan, Rangers going through administration and demotion and that, and it's horrible. I wouldn't wish it upon like my, like my worst enemy, not even Celtic fans, because it's, it's not nice. Because like see, support a football club, it's people's lives and people's livelihoods as well. And for that to be taken away from someone is like, it's horrible. It's like, it's because it really is, football is more than just a game. As the saying goes, it is like, it's a community. It's just, it's a real special sport. There's nothing like it, you know? And I do hope this will come through this really tough period because it's horrible because it obviously Rangers, Rangers were never going to, like cease to exist because Rangers were too big for that to happen, right? But Partick Thistle, Partick Thistle, obviously they're, they're at like an historic club in Scottish football, but there's a, they're obviously I would hate it for this to happen, but there could be a possibility for them to cease to exist where they, 
it'd be it's a horrible thought, but if they were to get liquidated, right? Like they wouldn't, they would probably have to. They, they, they wouldn't be like Rangers, where Rangers went down to League Two. Thistle would probably go down. No, not probably. They will. They would go down the Gretna route. That's what would happen. And mm-hmm. and Gretna are like they came back as Gretna two thousand and eight. They are just I think they're playing in. I think it's just the junior leagues. Like look at Claybank as well. Obviously, I'm from Claybank. Claybank went bust, and they're playing in junior leagues. That's what that's what will happen to Thistle, you know. And yeah, but uh, yeah, I do wish him all the very best. Um, but hopefully he can come through it. And uh, Chris Doolan's done a good job there. I think Thistle really did punch above their weight to even get to a playoff final and come a penalty kick away from getting promotion to the SPFL. You know, so but yeah, yeah, I do wish him all the very best. But um, this will be my next moment, Chris. Uh, and obviously I've got a lot to say about it. Robbie Nielsen getting sacked from Hearts. Um, I was very vocal at the time when Nielsen got sacked. I thought it was a really, real stupid decision. Um, what, what was your thoughts on it? Um, I was um, quite a turn up for the books, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it because obviously Hearts were in a, a poor run of form. I think they had lost like their four... Last league, they lost like the four. Nielsen lost his four last league games, right? Or last, last four games, or whatever it was. And the, his last game in charge was a 2 0 defeat to St. Mirren at Tencastle. And they sack him. And Aberdeen obviously went above them in the league. They were like two points clear. But Nielsen overall done a great job for Hearts, right? And I do believe he would have got them third. Yeah, they were going through a rough patch, but the job he had done was incredible. Like he got them into Europe for the first time in 17-odd years, right? Got into two Scottish Cup finals. I think it was uh, three third-place finishes as well. The guy is a good manager, and I rate him a lot. And Hearts done him very dirty, by the way. I was I was shocked when they sacked him. And a lot of Hearts fans are, like, slagging off the football, etc. And I got into a wee debate with Ewan Cameron, who is our radio presenter. I got, he's a Hearts fan, or so he claims. Um, I got in a wee debate with him on Twitter, and he was... Trying to justify Nielsen getting sacked, but I'm like, if you've got short me- a short memory, mate, like Nielsen has done a lot for your club, and yeah, every club goes through a bad patch, right? And like, I was like, who do Hearts like think they are? Like, they're going like Fudd is the best they're going to get. They're not going to finish above Rangers. They're not going to finish above Celtic. Fudd is their glass ceiling. That's all they're going. That's the best they're going to do because there's no other team in Scotland that are going to be able to compete with Old Firm. Simple as, unless they get mega money. Which isn't going to happen, right? So they they sacked Nielsen and they got what they deserved. They brought in Stephen Naismith and Hearts finished fourth. And Naismith, um, in his first game in charge, lost to Hibs 1 0. And I guarantee you, if Nielsen was in charge for that game, Nielsen would have got the three points or they definitely wouldn't have lost that. So I do believe Nielsen will get a good job in the future. And Hearts as well, we'll finish in, on this for Hearts as well. A very lazy appointment given to Naismith and Thank you, uh, Frank McAvoy. Um, Frank, uh, do, how, have you seen this, Chris? How weird, what, what this weird uh, appointment? How weird the appointment is, right? Naismith hasn't got his full pro license yet, right? So Naismith, no. So on paper, right, McAvoy's the manager, right? Um, but really, it's Naismith calling the scenes behind the shots. No, oh, sorry, calling the calling the shots behind the scenes. Sorry, <laughs> calling the shots behind the scenes. So that's what they've done, right? They've, they, so on paper, it's McAvoy's manager, but Naismith's. Like, apparently the technical director, whatever, but he's really the manager. So Naismith can't ma- become a manager until, like, next year, until he completes his pro licence. But I don't even think Naismith 
when he took, took, took charge of Hearts until the end of the season, done enough to merit the job. And it's just such an underwhelming, lazy appointment. Hearts could have went for someone like Stephen Robinson or Stephen Robinson or someone really out there, someone from Europe, someone exciting. Like, but they didn't bother doing that. Just went for the lazy option in Naismith and McAvoy. So, and see next season, uh, I, I don't think Hearts will do as well as they've done under Nielsen. If they kept Nielsen, as I said, they would have got third, but yeah, I think next season Aberdeen will be, I wouldn't say a force to be reckoned with, far from it, but I think Aberdeen, on paper with the players that they've brought in and how well Robson's done there, I think they should be a shoe-in for third next season. Yeah, but it wasn't all sunshine and rain, rainbows for Aberdeen the full season. Um, they did rebound from a disastrous Scottish Cup exit to Darvo. And then days later, I don't know why he was still in the job after that game, but took a thrashing off the burning for them to finally sack Jim Goodwin. Um, what was your thoughts on the whole Darvo saga and Jim Goodwin as a whole? Well, so we'll first of all start with Davo, right? <clears throat> um, I I wasn't watching the game, right? Um, I didn't know it was on the telly, but I get a I get a text off one of my pals saying, "He heard Davo beating Aberdeen one 0 I went, "No way!" And he was like, "I am watching it now." I went, "Is it on telly?" I went, "It's on BBC." So I'm like, I tuned in, right? And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's right. This is it's funny." But I'm like, "Ah, this won't last, right?" But see, as the game was going on, Chris, I'm like, Davo are actually playing pretty well here <laughs> and they're actually beating Aberdeen comfortably here like like Aberdeen were shocking right and when that full time whistle went my god like social social media was insane like Chris hands down that is the biggest upset in the history of Scottish football nothing will top that like I was stunned like like those players should have been deducted a week's wages after that that was Totally unprofessional, like losing to a junior side. Like Aberdeen are a full time side, one of the biggest teams in the country, right? They're on good money. Those other players have just finished a shift at work. They went, they finished what they, they went straight to the, to the ground. Those Aberdeen players have got a nice coach, Germany, they are all pampered. They've got getting first class treatment, right? On thousands of pounds a week, and they can't beat a junior side. Embarrassing, shameful. I couldn't believe it, but yeah. It was it was insane. It was insane, and for for some reason, um, uh, Dave Cormack kept Goodwin in the job for the Hearts game. Oh, sorry, not the Hearts game. Sorry, Hibs game. kept them kept them in charge for the Hibs game. Released a statement after the game, saying it was always a terrible statement. Saying this is basically a must must not lose game. We can't lose this game. Um, just he should have been put out his misery right after the double game. And obviously, I was speaking to Ali Begg. Um, he was on the podcast not long after the Darwin result and not long after Gooden got sacked. And he said he was texting his brother during it and he was like, we're getting beat here. We're definitely going to get beat. We're not, we're, we're not going to win this. And Darvo totally deserved it. It wasn't like a fluke. It wasn't like a lucky win. Darvo played them off the park. And then obviously Hibs battered um, Aberdeen 6-0. Then Cormac, oh, it was embarrassing for Cormac after the game, remember it? Done a post-match interview and he was near enough crying. You're like, I know a football is a very emotional game, right? But come on, it's just, like, get a grip, really. So he sacked Jim Goodwin. Then he brought in Barry Robson. And then obviously Aberdeen went on to do well. 
and and obviously finished third. But Jim Goodwin, my God, what a shocking year he's had. Like that's what I said at the start of the show. So it's best getting into it now. Goodwin has had an absolute disaster. Like this, he got knocked out of the Scottish Cup by a junior side like Darvo. Beat off Hibs six 0 Sat right after the game. Takes over Dundee United. Gets in relegated. All this happened in the same season. All happened in the same season. Like, 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 honest to God, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that Dundee United have kept him on for next season. Like, he, what Goodwin should have done right after he got sacked from Aberdeen was take a break from football. He just rushed right back into a job. He got sacked. It was like 30 days after he got sacked from Aberdeen, jumped straight back into Dundee United job. But yeah, he is had a shocker. I can't remember a manager off the top of my head that's had a worse year than Jim Goodwin. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, I definitely can't off the top of my head. Plus, we've touched on it time and time again throughout this show about that championship and how competitive it is. Well, in fact, I mentioned it when we mentioned Dundee United. Like, Are they really going to get back out to next season? I don't think so. Championship no. teams from last season good enough to put a challenge in and go up. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think Dundee United will come straight back up because it is a very tough division and the teams are just only going to get better. And it's going to be a very exciting league to watch next season. And we've said it quite a lot of times. The Championship is hands down been the most entertaining league over the last three or four years. Like, <laughs> it's so entertaining, but it's just a shame it doesn't get enough coverage. But yeah, Jim Goodwin has just had a complete disaster. Uh, he had a complete disaster last season and if see if he gets sacked on United, which I think is going to happen next season, Chris. Where does he go for there? Like, where does he honestly go? Like, like I, I, honestly, God, man. But like that Darrow result will go down as the most iconic upset in the history of the Scottish game. And it was obviously just a shame that Darvel couldn't go on a bigger run after that. But yeah, that's a night that will live in Darvel fans' memories for forever. Uh, 110%. But we'll finish off with uh, the... Well, we've got, well, in fact, I just want to mention this wee moment, Chris, before we go on to the, the final one. Um, I think this is obviously... There's not been a lot for Rangers fans to talk about <laughs> um, from last season. Last season was just an absolute failure from start to finish. But there was one bright spot um, just in the manner of the way Rangers won the game was when Rangers beat Aberdeen 3 to at Pataudry. And <laughs> unbelievable where... Aberdeen won 2-1 going into stoppage time. Rangers were terrible throughout the, the whole game. Rangers, to be honest, didn't deserve anything out of it. But this is another, baby, this is another uh, L for Jim Goodwin. Is <laughs> this is another big L for him. So um, I think this is probably a turning point for him where things started to nosedive when he was at Aberdeen. So Aberdeen won 2-1 going into stoppage time, right? Scott Arfield comes on for Rangers and Scott Arfield scores two goals in stoppage time to get Rangers with the three points. And just classic Jim Goodwin in Aberdeen, just totally bottling it. And it was just so sweet the way Rangers won that game where I remember when Arfield scored at the last minute, I was celebrating like crazy and laughing as well because obviously Aberdeen want to, they like to think they have a rivalry with Rangers, right? But Rangers, honestly, to be honest, I don't care. Like Rangers fans don't care about Aberdeen as a rivalry. Right, the only rivalry that Rangers fans and Rangers have is against Celtic. That's it. You know. So when Rangers scored at the last minute and won, we beat Rangers, it beat Aberdeen three uh, two. It made it even more sweeter because that would have ruined Aberdeen fans' Christmas. It would have ruined their fans' Christmas 
they would have hated that so much because they would have loved that going to Christmas. Oh, we beat Rangers. Yeah, we're all buzzing. And then Scott Arfield comes on and steals it from them. <laughs> Just brilliant. But... Uh, that's, I would say that if I had to pick out one, I would say I would probably say that was one of the big moments from last season, just purely because of how how the game was going and how Aberdeen were on course to getting three points against their biggest rivals. And Scott, I feel, came on and just nicked it. But what did you make of that game, Chris? I just remember it. And then there was everyone saying, was it Goldson was offside or something, trying to say that the goal shouldn't have stood? Yeah, and it was a lot of noise. No, I think it was like Goldson handball or some garbage. A lot of handball, aye. That was that, aye. Goldson handball, a lot of nonsense, and it wasn't like, but yeah, that was that was a sweet one. That was a sweet one. But just a wee side note, and Scott Arfield, I wish him all the very best in America. I do, I was gutted that he didn't get off the new deal. I felt it was a wee deserved one. Not as a, not as a starter every week, but after we got the three points against Aberdeen at Patoji and how he came on and scored two goals in the space of like a few minutes to get us the three points. I think that's where he should have got a contract. Like he would have been so ideal as a squad player because he gives it his all, loves Rangers, and he's the, the the perfect type of guy you would want to bring on from the bench. And that game just clearly showed that. But yeah, I wish him all the very best in America. But we'll f- finish off with the final big moment of the season, Chris. Obviously, it was that was a Celtic doing the treble and Posikoglu leaving. But we'll start with Celtic doing the treble, Chris. Obviously, that was a good season for you. Uh, witnessing another treble. Um, I think that's Celtic have won. That was our fifth domestic treble. I think it is. Yeah. Fifth. So, yeah. So what, what would seven be, years? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Fifth and seven. I fifth one and seven years. Sorry. And um, but yeah, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was a tremendous achievement. Obviously, um, any trophy sort as of a success in its own right. But um, obviously, Scottish football having the treble, it's always. That bit of an added bonus when you can go on to do a treble. Um, even um, as a, we touch on five and seven years, we only had three in our history. Um, until Brendan Rodgers' first stint as manager, twice under Jock Steen, and then Martin O'Neill's first season in two thousand one. Um, so yeah, um, it kind of felt like last year. Obviously, we'd done the double, and then there just was something about Ange and his philosophy that was almost like. It was sort of destiny in a way that he was going to end up a treble winning manager, and then that was sort of pivotal to his Celtic legacy. Um, and it was good that he got it over the line. Um, obviously, I didn't. I didn't go to the Scottish Cup final. Um, I've got a bit of hoodoo against um Cali Thistle in the Scottish Cup, so I thought I'm going to do everything I can to try and preserve um Andrew's treble by not going to Hamden for that game. Yeah, and it, like Celtic played a lot of good stuff last season. I think Celtic scored 109 goals or something in the league. Yeah, and then obviously um, going into the split, it was possible for us to, um, even with that St Mirren loss um, early in the season, for us to um, break the all-time domestic points record, even better than um, the two undefeated um, Rangers 55 and... Um, Brendan Rodgers' invincible season, but that I think that would have just really been a bonus. It was always going to be a great season, especially when it looked like after we dispatched the Rangers in the Scottish Cup semi-final that as much as like <laughs> me and my bad luck against Cali Thistle, as I say, is um that we were always kind of going going to go on and do the treble from there. So yeah, yeah. What did you make of Postacoglu leaving? Like I think it was I think seeing the lead up to the Scottish Cup final, it was 
it was clear as day that he he was off because that's when the Spurs links came about. Um, and once the Spurs links came about, and the way he was answering questions and press conferences and interviews, it was it, everyone knew that he was off because he was he was given vague answers and see when a, a manager doesn't come out and say I'm staying and they're just kind of like avoiding the question, you know they're off. Like look at Steven Gerrard as well where. But right before he left, he was getting asked about Newcastle links and he was like, oh, Newcastle, big club and that, but he wasn't dismissing it. So that's where the alarm bell started to go from you. I'm like, he could be off. But yeah, what did you make of Postacoglu leaving for Spurs? Yeah, well, even after his first season, I was kind of realistic with myself. I thought um, he's probably going to be no more than like a three-year experiment. Probably what the natural building progression point for me would have been like, the treble this year, which indeed they did, did get, and then getting back to the transfer market to actually try and have a run in Europe for the first time in going on 20 years. Um, mm. So, yeah, I thought that's probably the way it's going to go. But then when the build-up to the Scottish Cup final, when it was dominated by questions and speculation of him being linked with a move to the Premier League to manage Spurs, it was like I kind of was honest with myself about wasn't in denial the way I was kind of like until the last minute when Brendan Rodgers was linked to moving away to Leicester four years ago. Um, I was kind of honest with myself, like, right, Andrew's off. It, I feel like it's maybe a season too soon, but um, he's kind of going to do what he set out to do and fulfill his destiny and all the best after that. I wasn't going to be bitter about it. How do you think he'll do it, Spurs? Spurs, for me, it's a really poison chalice job. It's like Jose Mourinho's had it, Poch has had it, and they've not had the success that Daniel Levy and that, like, the pressure that he places on managers for them to bring success to the club. And then if they lose Harry Kane, then that's his talisman gone. It's like that makes his job even harder. Yeah, oh, it's, it's going to be tough for him. Um, and Postacoglu was never Levy's first choice. He wasn't. And the first choice was Luis Enrique. He knocked it back. The former Bayern, Bayern Munich manager, he knocked it back. Then it was just Postacoglu. He was like the third or fourth choice. But it reminds me of when Spurs appointed Nuno Santos, uh, the former oh. Wolves manager. He wasn't Daniel Levy's first choice. It was Conte. So we settled with Nuno Santos. He only lasted about two or three months. He got the sack. And Daniel Levy's very trigger-happy. And he doesn't really beat around the bush. Um, if Postacoglu starts off poorly, Postacoglu will be out the door and within like two or three months. Um, but I think Spurs is just like, it, it, it's a poison challenge in the sense of like, it's such a difficult job. If Jose Mourinho can't go there and win a trophy, what does that say about the club? You know, because Mourinho's been a success everywhere he's been. And but it's Spurs, like he could have won a trophy for Spurs, but for some reason, Daniel Levy sacked him seven days before a cup final. Like, honestly, it's bonkers. And then I obviously remember Antonio Conte last year, where right it was right before he got a sack, he went on a big rant after uh, dropping points to Southampton, just basically criticizing the club's mentality, just saying it's so wrong. And that right after that, that's where Conte got the boot. But yeah, there's just so much wrong with that club. Just so much wrong. They haven't won a trophy in 15 years. And I just don't see much changing with Postacoglu coming in. But yeah, if, if Harry Kane goes, he's got a real difficult job in his hands. But it like, wasn't like Postacoglu was leaving Celtic because Spurs are a bigger club. And it wasn't like Gerard left Rangers for Villa because they're a bigger club. It wasn't like Rodgers left 
Celtic, for Leicester, because they're bigger clubs. Those three guys left because it's the Premier League. It's the biggest league in the world, simple as. It's, it's like the SPFL can't compete with that. If Ranger and Celtic were playing in the Premiership, not a chance those three would have left the old firm. No way, no way. Um, but it's just, they, they left Scottish football, that's what they left. Because there's a shelf life, there's only so much you can do. Like, Gerard came in, done what he said he was going to do, win the league, stopped the 10 in a row, 155, then he was off. Rogers came in, rebuilt his reputation, won a couple of trebles, went down south. Ange came up here, won a treble, first club it comes in, like Spurs. That's a, it, like, even though it's a poison challenge, but it is still, in Premier League terms, a big job. So... I don't blame him for going, and you obviously you get the the Celtic fans that criticise him for it, and it's just like, come on, like, like he's under he, like Postecoglou never fed the Celtic fans with nonsense like Rogers did. He never done that. He was up front right from the get go. He wasn't saying I'm here for ten. I'm here for the next big project. He didn't say any of that. He was just here about just here for straight business, got it done. Then obviously went down south, but it's quite disheartening to see in the sense of like when we see the guys like like guys like Gerard Rogers and Postecoglou when the first job opportunity comes down, you know, comes in. Sorry, comes in from uh, England. They're off right away without hesitation. But yeah, just no, sorry, sorry. On you go, on you go. Just says we just can't compete with up here with the financial freedom they get to do with the budgets they get back to to bring in the players they're after and build a squad we just can't compete with that as you said yeah no it's impossible it's impossible Chris um, and obviously Brendan Rogers. we'll speak about this now then Brendan Rogers is back at Celtic he signed a three year deal and it's divided the Celtic support it has um, a lot of Celtic fans are just willing to forget the way he left a, a lot of them are still not happy that he's back Especially the Green Brigade, the, the Green Brigade, they released a tweet. Uh, they put up a tweet and it was a banner calling him a Judas and never a Celtic man, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what's your stance on Rogers? It's no, I don't think it's a lot. I don't see a lot of Celtic fans jumping and clapping and celebrating that he's back. It, I think some Celtic fans are still bitter and they're not over the way left. But how do you feel about Rogers coming back to Celtic? That's a funny one, as you say, is, um, has divided the support. Um, a lot won't they forget, forget that kind of thing. And then the Green Brigade putting a photo of the banner up from the gate first game after he left saying that he traded um, immortality or whatever it was for mediocrity. Um, for me, it's kind of like, I it's like, can't totally forget how he left the first time in that Um. Time kind of does heal wounds and stuff. I get that. Um, but from the professional standpoint, that it, it's like it was probably the right move. Who else could we really have got? Um, with that caliber of manager, I don't think there really was anybody else available for us that could have filled Angie's boots. If you get me, so plus he knows what the club's all about and that. Um, hasn't got the best transfer record. Let's be honest. Like he's only real. Successes his first spell was um Sinclair and Dumbelli, but you do hope that um as this statement the club put out says like the whole plan that's in place and they back him to have a run in Europe and all this, you hope all that's true and that he can pardon me, actually make something this time around of his transfers if he's getting the backing that he didn't get the first time. And obviously, um you mentioned Europe there. See the thing is though, Rogers 
European record everywhere has been, everywhere he's been has been terrible. It's shocking. Like Liverpool, it was a it was a disgrace. Um, when, when they made the Champions League for the first time under him, they finished third in their Champions League group. Leicester didn't do much in the Europa League. Uh, made the semi-finals of the conference, got beat by Roma. Celtic, obviously in the Champions League, wasn't good. Then Europa League as well in his uh, second season, not good. Like, Rogers' European record is terrible. Um, his transfer record is not great, especially everywhere he's been as well. It's been Liverpool, it's quite patchy. We are obviously done well signing Daniel Sturridge, but then with every Daniel Sturridge, there's a Mario Balotelli, <laughs> you know. And yeah, his transfer record isn't great. I think that's where the Rogers, I do rate him as a coach. I think he's a good manager. I think he's the best that Celtic could have got. But yeah, I think Celtic should get a director of football in because you can't trust him to sign players. Like, as you said, like from his first spell, the only players that stand out was uh, Scott Sinclair, then Belly. And he signed Edward as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think in Cham as well, was that Lennon? Um, no, I don't think Cham was in Tall Rogers. Yeah. So, but yeah, his transfer record is not good at all. But do you think do you think he's an upgrade from Pasakoglu? Um. Well, it's a TikToker, Piers Morgan. That's um. I'm saying um. Try and never go back the way um. In what numerous aspects of life, and he doesn't rule out what jobs. It's like. It's not the same as when you left it the first time. There's always a reason why you've moved on. So, like, as much as I'm like, he's probably the right appointment in the best we could have got. It's like, is this also a bit of a backward set for the club and not just Rogers? Yeah, because let's be honest, Chris, the only reason he's came back to Scotland is to rebuild his reputation again. See if things were working well at Leicester. There's no way we would come back up here. Like, there's not a chance. Um. And I think he'll know himself he can't feed you the garbage that he fed you four years ago. Like that that Danny McGrain story was just embarrassing where he totally lied about it. And I th- I don't know, I think that I don't know the full ins and outs of it, right? But is it true when he told this story? Danny McGrain was it was on stage at some QA and Danny McGrain was right beside him. And McGrain never said anything, but then um, not long after Rogers left, McGrain got asked about it. He was like, "No, like that story's nonsense. That didn't happen." Um, mm-hmm. he, he didn't want to say anything to embarrass Rogers, but like it just shows you, like, how can you tell a, a lie like that when you've got a legend like McGrain? Like, tell a lie about McGrain like that when he's right beside you. It's I don't know. It's just maybe the way Rogers' character is, but and he was just obviously feeding his nonsense about ten our own stuff. But I think you'll know he can't. The Celtic fans won't buy into it, but you will get some hopeless romantic Celtic fans out there that will fall for it, but see if he starts hitting out all these fantasy stories. Uh, I know for a fact, Chris, like you're a, you're a smart guy, you're not going to be believing a word. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm wise to his game. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think it's, I said earlier on, right, I think about Michael Beale, about it being make a break for him next season. I think it's going to make a break for Rodgers as well. If Rodgers doesn't win the league, do you think you'll be out the door? Don't know. It's like he's got a hundred percent trophy record up here, so he's kind of jeopardising that as well. So it's like there's that pressure and expectation that he's going to maintain that, or like at least two out of three. But um, yeah, it'd be pretty embarrassing. I feel with like he didn't win the league at least. Yeah, because like when you see four years ago, four or five years ago when Rogers was up here, 
He was up against the worst Rangers side in the history of the Premiership. He and when Celtic did a point, Rogers, um, six years ago, I think it was. I knew that Celtic were going to win the league, like because Rogers is a good manager. But he Rangers were handicapped at that point, and let's be honest, anyone could have won the league against that Rangers side. That Rangers side was embarrassing. So, but this this time it's different. Obviously, Rangers are going through a rebuild phase, and Rangers have got good players. Rangers Rangers have uh, won the league. They won the Scottish Cup, made a European final. So this is a different Rangers side he's coming up against. So it's going to be massive because think about it. If Rogers does not hit the ground running, and just say Rangers are starting the season off well and they're ahead in the league, Celtic fans won't have any patience. There won't be any like oh he won't have any credit in the bank because of the way he left. So he has to start strong, and if he doesn't. Oh, see the the Rogers critics, the the Celtic fans that don't like him, or oh, they're going to be. I think we might see Sharkgate two point Chris. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, next season will be interesting. But um, well, before we move on to our team of the seasons, all right, uh, and stuff. Um, obviously, I need to speak to you about Jota, who's left Celtic to go to Saudi Arabia to El Hetiad for £25 million and he'll be earning £192,000 a week tax-free. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Chris? For me, that's Celtic's best player and that's a big loss for him at Levy's. Yeah, it's a big loss. Um, it's a win-win part, win-win for both parties. Um, obviously, it's meant to be £25 million we're getting for him. Um, that matches um, the Scottish transfer record that we got for Kieran Tierney by in twenty nineteen, yeah, twenty nineteen. So, um, yeah, it's like we we can't not knock back that money, and then like he'd be mad not to want to go and burning that kind of money, and it's probably going to break him into the Portuguese national team. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because he'd be playing in the same league as the goat Ronaldo, um. So, and he's going to be playing against some really good players. He's he's playing along. He's playing alongside Benzema. As well, who's yeah. the current Ballon d'Or holder? <clears throat> so yeah, it's a no-brainer. And the Saudis are just taking over. They're obviously they've got so much money to spend. Like they've got a bottomless pit of money. It's like twenty-five million pounds, nothing. Now that's like ten pounds. Um, but yeah, it's a no-brainer for him. Like, how can you turn down that kind of money? One hundred ninety-two thousand pounds a week, tax-free, and it's a three-year deal, so he can come back to Europe when he's twenty-seven. In the Premier's career as a multi multi millionaire, then you see you see what Chris Sutton said. Chris Sutton said that um, Jota's ruined his career by going to Saudi Arabia. You're like, you trying to tell me? Is Chris Sutton trying to say that if he was offered that kind of money when he was still playing to go to Saudi, he wouldn't go? Of course he would. <laughs> You'd be stupid, know. Not. <laughs> you know. But yeah. he can like that's the thing. Jota can come back to Europe, twenty seven, Portuguese internationalist, multi millionaire. Yeah, it's, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. But yeah. I think I just don't understand Sutton's opinion on that. I think he's just bitter about it. Like, but the Saudis are just taking over football, aren't they, Chris? They really are. Yeah, don't know where it stops. Um, seeing stuff like was it they're going to offer Wilfred Zaha like six hundred grand a week and crazy stuff like that. So it's like no wonder like some of these players like they're not quite so good enough to break into like the big European sides now, but they can go and make double it these clubs in Europe would offer them in Saudi Arabia and make a good living and then come back to Europe having made their millions and then they might get an opportunity somewhere. So it's like, it's not going to 
take over like the prestige of European football around by any means. Um, MLS to a lesser extent, obviously we know the crazy deal Messi's got and all the perks that come with that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that um, just in everything like Saudi, they've been taking over in Formula One, WWE. So it's kind of like natural now that football is Saudi football's in the spotlight. Yeah, not exactly. I know. <clears throat> um, and obviously Stephen Gerrard is now managing Saudi Arabia. Um, he's from what I read, apparently he's, he's getting twenty million pounds a year tax free. It's just it's absolutely insane, and I don't blame Gerard for going over there as well because it's. I don't care how rich you are. I said this about Ronaldo as well. I don't care how rich you are if you're getting offered that kind of money. You, how can you say no? Like how can you say no to that as well? But Ronaldo did say within the next five years he predicts that the Saudi league will be amongst the top five leagues in the world. And the way it's going now, Chris, I, it's a good, there's a good possibility that can happen. Yeah, and it doesn't even seem to be like MLS is a feeling there, but has been if players go there, whereas this is guys in the prime of their career and managers like Gerard kind of had success at Rangers only really getting started in their managerial career, so it's a golden opportunity for them. Yeah, 100%, Chris. And uh, we'll move on from that. And we'll speak about. We'll give our player award. Give our player of the year awards. Or t- like, we'll give all this kind of stuff out just now. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. Who's your player of the year? Um, purely for um, what a big part it was for us, and um, all the goals he bagged. I'm going to give the nod to to Kyogo. Uh, same here, same here, Chris. I'm going to give mine to Kyogo as well. Scored uh, 34 goals. He was prolific up front. Um, he had a tremendous season. So it's a no brainer from me to give it Kyogo and it's uh, obviously good news for Celtic he signed a new deal and I think he'll be if he was to leave Celtic that would be a huge loss wouldn't it yeah and then um, walking up other players Dyson signed a four year deal as well Cal McGregor I think is just today is that a five year deal that'll see his career out with Celtic yeah yeah I've seen that as well so obviously from a Celtic point of view I think you'll be happy that the, like some of your key players are sending new deals, you're getting them wrapped up. But obviously, because there will be some offers coming in for one or two of your big hitters like Hatati, um, Abada as well, um, and Carter Vickers as well. So obviously, I think you'd be happy. Like obviously, you got McGregor uh, tied up and uh, Kyogo. Um, who's your young player of the season? Um. I would have been tempted to give the nod to Alistair Johnson had they had a full season, but given the fact they didn't, I've given it to Malik Tillman. Same here, same here. It's like um, I don't know understand. I don't understand why people were against it because Tillman had a great season. People are forgetting this was his first season playing senior football, and he done really well. He scored twelve. He scored twelve goals with five assists, and he was a real a real important part of the, that Rangers side because he, and he helped us out massively I, honestly if it wasn't for Tillman's contributions from, from last season I think Rangers would have been finished if Celtic would sorry Rangers would have been much further behind Celtic in the league than they, they finished so yeah Malik Tillman is a no-brainer um, he had a great season and I'm gutted that he won't be coming back uh, to Scottish football next season because um, obviously there was an option to buy um, I think it was like £5 million pounds. Um, but Bayern it got rid of that because obviously they realised that Tillman's got huge potential and I do believe he's going to be a superstar in the game so 
he's obviously he's going to go elsewhere for a lot more money. But the good thing is, though, at least Rangers will get some sort of compensation from the deal wherever he goes. So I think Rangers will get some like one million, two million pounds, which isn't too bad. So yeah, can't complain. I wish the boy all the best, and he will become a superstar in the the game. And I'm going to ask you who I'm going to ask you what is your goal this season? Um. I did spend a bit of time trying to rack my brains about this one. Um, I couldn't think any screamers off my head. I know you might disagree with this one because you feel the criminal angle it was scored at. Um, Jota's goal against Rangers. I can see why you would say it, like because it was a good finish. But for me, I w- I, w- I wouldn't give it purely because of the angle he scored it, and any competent goalkeeper would have saved that. That's the only reason I. I wouldn't give it, but taking off it away from Jota, it was a good finish. It was, a, it was a good finish. But for me, I, I, I just, I, just for me, if I, for me giving it context, I wouldn't have like gave it goalie season. But my goalie season, probably a wee bit biased here, but it was uh, Tillman's against Mullerwell, where he got the ball from the halfway line, skint about four or five Mullerwell players, and scored. It was just like he ran past the Mullerwell players, like they weren't even there. And yeah, that, that was that was my goalie season, like. Oh, tremendous! Like I would have gave it to James Tavernier's free. Uh, I would have gave it James Tavernier for his uh, free kick and Celtic at Parkhead, but Rangers didn't win that game, so it's tainted a little bit for me. <laughs> um, mm. and your game of the season. Um, I've gone the second leg of the county Thistle um Premiership promotion playoff. That's fair. That's a very fair one. I know we'll be be praised that earlier on as well. Uh, my game of the season was Darvel versus Aberdeen. That was just obviously says it all. Like junior side beating a Premiership side, and Aberdeen obviously arguably the third biggest team in the country. Um, yeah, that, that was for Darvel winning that, and yeah, that was my game of the season. Um, manager of the year. Um, this won't be too surprising. Won a treble, Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, that's totally understandable. That's very fair. No complaints about that. But mine's is going to be a little bit different, right? Because I feel as though it's quite easy to give it to Postacoglu because um, he won a treble. And, and uh, even down south as well, it's very easy to give it to Pep Guardiola because he won a treble. But to change it up a little bit, to make it a wee bit more interesting, I went for Stephen Robinson at St Mirren purely because he got St Mirren into the top six for the first time in, first time in about 20-plus years. Incredible achievement. And he obviously he managed to get... I think he's only... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's only St. Mirren were the only team last year to get points. No, that's not true, actually. No, um, that's Hibs actually uh, got a draw against us and Hibs beat Celtic. But yeah, um, obviously, Stephen Robinson was able to beat Celtic and run and stop their, I think it was like a 40 plus unbeaten run in the league. Yeah. 40 game, pl- uh, 40 game streak in the league, unbeaten streak in the league. So, yeah, I would give it to Stephen Robinson. He's done a great job, and I think he will do very well at St Mirren uh, going into next season. <clears throat> so, Chris, tell me your SPFL team of this season. Okay, so I've gone um, four at the back, um, diamond midfielder sorts, two wingers and a striker. Um, so, in goals, um, I felt that... Um, Joe Hart and Al McGregor slash Sean McLaughlin didn't really do anything stand out each other enough to warrant being in the team a year down the stretch. So I went for Rose of Aberdeen as a bit of a wild card non-old firm inclusion. 
Um, then back four is James Tavernier, Carol Starfelt. Went back and forth in my second centre-back between Goldson and Carter Vickers, but I think given his injuries and that, I went for Carter Vickers over Goldson. Um, Barisic left-back. Midfield, I've got McGregor and Hitati holding with O'Reilly in front of them. Then Tillman and Jota out in the wings and Kyogo up front. Well, our uh, back four is quite <laughs> our, our back four is quite similar. So I'll tell you my team of the season. So in goals, Roos from Aberdeen, right back James Tavenier, Carter Vickers and Starfelt as the two centre halves, left back Greg Taylor, midfield three of uh, Hatati, Tillman and Clarkson, and up front Duke, Kyogo and Jota. So I went obviously went for a four three three, but yeah, our teams are quite similar, Chris. Um, and that, like see Joe Hart, even though he got the most clean sheets, but I think that's a testament to how good Celtic were defensively last season, not on him as a goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any complaints with your team. I don't, what about you uh, with mine's? Just obviously, um, the mission of Cal McGregor. Um, I don't know if you feel we maybe just didn't fit the formation or what, but I thought, think that's always an interesting call where when you kind of admit like the captain and champions obviously like performances and that can boil down to as well but I that surprised me that one and I didn't I didn't want it to be too old firm dominated right and mm-hmm. I, I feel as though see Clarkson I, I really do rate him and it's I think he's been terrific for Aberdeen and it's good for them that uh, he signed for, for the club on a permanent basis but for me I, I didn't. I, I felt it was old Clarkson, even though McGregor did have a good campaign last year. But Clarkson for Aberdeen, obviously he's not playing in as good as a squad compared to Callum McGregor. Uh, and Clarkson bossed the Aberdeen midfield last year, and he was so important to it. So for me, I I think Clarkson deserved to be in there ahead of uh, Callum McGregor. Tillman obviously went over it. He's a young player, first season, uh, first season playing for uh, senior football. He done tremendously well. Hatati, I think he's for me. I think he's Celtic's best midfielder. I do think Cal McGregor's good, but I think there's Celtic do have better midfielders than him, i.e. Hatati. And obviously Duke at Aberdeen, he's oh he's been outstanding. He he's a real top player. I would love to. I would have loved to have seen him at Ibrox. Um, but oh, if Rangers did go in for him, I think Aberdeen would want big money from. They wouldn't want just like two, three million. They would probably want like five million. And Jota as well, like as I said earlier on, Jota Celtic's best player, and um, was Celtic best Celtic's best player, and um, he's just a tremendous talent. And Greg Taylor credit credit where it's due. Greg Taylor really had really has came on leaps and bounds, and he's really became a very solid, uh, solid, very solid Celtic, uh, very solid left back for Celtic. Starfell and Car Vickers, that's a very good partnership. James Tavernier, and what more can be said, mate? Like James Tavernier is. The best right back in the country. The stats back that up. I don't see how anyone else could really put up an argument saying that someone else is better than James Tavenier with his goal contributions, his assists. It's it's a no brainer. I, I think James Tavenier's been in the Premiership team of the year for the last like five or six years, Chris. It's mental. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and obviously Russ at Aberdeen, he's very underrated. Um, and as you said, you made a good point. Al McGregor and Joe Hart. And obviously John McLaughlin, none none of those three deserve to be an Al McGregor. Obviously, age catches up with everyone. Um, he he's just not been at it uh, over the last year or two. 
But Rusa Aberdeen, he had a good campaign, good shot stopper. Yeah, I think he deserved to be in there. And obviously, I'm glad that we were both in agreement about that. But yeah, I would say overall, they, our teams are, I would say they're very fair. And I don't think there's any real complaints that either of us could, could make. Maybe obviously, you saying, obviously, you raised uh, some eyebrows at me, not including Cal McGregor. But if I, once I post that, uh, once I post the podcast and the Celtic fans see my team in the season, or like, they'll probably be like saying that you, they'll be like, why, why is Joe Hartman on the team? Like, you know, why is Johnson on the team? <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's just the, the way it is. But yeah, two very fair teams, Chris. Two very fair teams, but yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we end the pod? No, I'm good, obviously. Just excited now. Let games will be back, what, three weeks on Saturday? So um, when's Rangers first qualifier? Is it towards the end of this month or into August? I think it's... Um... Into August, I think it is. I think it's in August because we've got some friendlies coming up. I'm, uh, I think it's next week. I'm going to Al McGregor's testimonial. That's against uh, Newcastle. So obviously McGregor hasn't said anything about if, if he's going to retire or not. But I think he'll probably announce at the testimonial that he's retiring because I, he's 41 now. Where else is does where else does he really want to go? You know because. Like the best way for him to end his career was at Rangers, and I don't think he would want to play anywhere else. So, yeah, I imagine next testimonial he'll announce his retirement there. And it's good to see, by the way, that it's a total sellout for his uh, testimonial. Like, not not one single seat is available; all of them have uh, been bought. So, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, obviously, paying tribute to Al McGregor, my favorite Rangers player of all time. But Chris, been an absolute pleasure, and uh, looking forward to doing. Uh, our first pod of the, the season and I can't wait for it to start because it's going to be, for me, I think it's going to be a blockbuster of a campaign. Michael Beal, Brendan Rodgers, this would be the headline going into next season. It should be make or break. That's what it should be for both managers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.